Welcome to episode 10 of Smells Like Teen Parent, a podcast for adolescents and the adults who annoy them. I'm your host, Jenny DeBevick, a counselor and academic consultant with 20 years experience working with youth. In the last episode, we talked about ADHD, and in this episode, we're going to discuss how to create effective discipline and punishment for teens. You will hear from our guest expert, Dr. Sheila Krotz founder and CEO of Positive Influences, providing science-based training in 21st century learning and living strategies. She's also an amazing principal. Please download, subscribe, and share this around so we can keep building an informed, supportive, and humble community of caregivers. This episode is brought to you by DubLab. DubLab is a Los Angeles-based, community-supported internet radio station and creative collective dedicated to the growth of positive music, arts, and culture. Since 1999, DubLab has helped define and connect the next wave of arts, music, and culture across the Los Angeles and international communities. This episode is also brought to you by Tic Tac. With less than two calories, Tic Tac turns your taste buds into taste buddies. I develop mindfulness Tic Tacs as a coping tool to help my students slow down a little and notice how even the littlest things keep changing. Imagine a world where control over your children is slowly eroding so that by the teen years, your ability to control and ensure they are making safe, healthy choices resembles a tumbleweed on the dusty I-5. You know they're making mistakes. You know they're asserting privacy because you spend a lot of time outside their bedroom door feeling like their personal stalker. You know they text their friends voraciously from the back of the car and may even have friends from all over the world who you have never met. The reality of parenting in today's world is that this normal part of their development means your teen is going to want a lot less of you a lot of the time. Psychologist Eric Erickson called this stage identity versus role confusion, where adolescents, by trial and error, establish who they are. And you, dear adult caregiver, must stand at the shore of that vast lake that is your child and watch tensely as they learn to swim. What? Have you ever been in trouble before? Yes. What happens when you get in trouble? My you're... brother got sent to the principal office. But take heart. Even if they spend a lot of time in their room and roll their eyes at you when you set curfews and ask them to clean their bathroom, the more solid and honest your overall relationship is, the more likely this discipline can be productive rather than destructive. Let's talk about what is happening in the teen brain during these years of rebellion without a cause. One shift in terms of brain development is that by the age of 10 or 11, they're starting to think in abstract terms. They're able to evaluate concepts like revenge, retribution, and empathy, and understand a little more about motivation behind actions. Their ability to infer why people do things grows in sophistication. What's more, they are watching everything adults and peers do and challenging many of those rules, which previously they may have accepted without question. What is the key to establishing effective discipline with children and teens as they move into this more sophisticated way of thinking. Simply put, you have to make sure that the relationship is intact and that you foster a warm, open connection with your teen human between the moments of conflict. The wholesome relationship that you cultivate with your child today, during meals, on the drive to school or to practice, running errands together, playing a game, chatting before bed, those experiences are the foundation for your kids developing a healthy bond and a healthy sense of independence. What skill or habit is important to your self-discipline? A habit that I want 
want to get into these next few months is like having an open mind. A habit that that I want to get more into is time management. Something I do to help myself out, I'd say probably like just plan my days out, plan when I have to do certain things. A skill that's like important to me for like the next month is just like being on top of everything, finishing everything on time. And a skill that I should work on is time management. A skill I have that's important to my self-discipline these next months is probably just like to stop procrastinating as much. Oh, it's a life skill, isn't it? Studies show that eating just one family meal together a day increases self-regard and resiliency in kids and decreases their risk of anxiety and depression. Inviting them with you on errands shows them that you value them as people and you want to be with them. You earn that power to discipline your teens when you are already communicating with your teen about matters that are important to them. You have to put in the sweat equity of listening and being present. Have you ever been in trouble before? Definitely have been in trouble. I mean, I guess it changes as you get older. And let's say maybe when I was younger, it'd be like, you can't hang out with your friends or you can't have your phone or you're grounded for like one or two days or just something that will make you feel why you shouldn't have done what you did. And then I say like, as I get older, I mean, I would say I've gotten a ton more responsible. So it's not like I'm getting in trouble like that. It's more like you kind of discipline yourself on anything you do. I mean, it's like I'm not ever getting into like mischief or something. So it's not like the same disciplinary like actions. If you were like raised and your parents like made it a big deal to raise you like to have respect and like learn your lesson, then you just become you and you're just like a better person after that. Teens vigorously testing boundaries and challenging your authority is a sign of normal development and necessary for growing. Yay! And then there are the big moments. The big dent in the car, the surprise F on the report card, the condom you find in your bathroom trash can, the call from school or the police station in the middle of the day. It's time for parent coping tools, positive visualization to lower your stress levels and keep you from freaking out. Imagine a large grassy field, a clear blue sky. Your teenager is once again small, obedient, and smells good. They walk towards you, giggling and smiling. They hang on every word you say. You hold all the wisdom, and they hold a violin, which they have been practicing. You sit there, nibbling your favorite snack, and you listen to them as they cozy up close to you and then flawlessly play the song's simple gifts as birds fly overhead and a gentle breeze cools your face. Feel better? Great. Let's bring on our guest expert, Dr. Sheila Krotz, for a little insight into what works and what doesn't work with discipline. Dr. Krotz is an award-winning teacher, administrator, and social justice advocate for poor and minority students. She's also founder and CEO of Positive Influences, which delivers science-based programs focusing on organizational cognitive learning with an emphasis on productivity, empowerment, and mindfulness. Hi, Dr. Krotz. When you have to discipline students, what is your goal with them? Well, my goal is that they take ownership of what they've done. That's the goal is so that they can learn from that experience, to take ownership of the mistake they've made and how they are going to change their behavior so they don't make that mistake again. Hold them accountable. What's the hardest thing about disciplining kids? 
And you've done it as a mom and an administrator. I guess the hardest part is getting the message across that I can be mad at them and love them at the same time. And I really try hard to make sure they understand that because in dealing with kids and all the kids, my own kids and the kids at my school, I do love them and I want them to do well and they disappoint me and to not take that personally and realize that's part of that growth experience and helping them see it from that point of view to let them see that they made a mistake and that they can learn from that mistake. Recently when I was disciplining the boys, letting them see that they can gain back my respect by correcting the mistake and moving forward and letting them know that that was an incident and it's about the behavior, it's not about them. How do you think it changes when we go from pre-adolescent to as they're moving into adolescent? What changes in the way that we can discipline them? I think for me, because I do know a lot about the differences in the brain and how it's changing, really trying to bring it to that level and having those conversations with them about, you know, you don't even realize that there are so many changes going on now in your brain and the way you're thinking and making decisions and you probably don't even realize that you aren't stopping to think about the consequences of your actions. You're just making really dumb decisions right now. And how do parents like not totally lose their minds? I think that, you know, the thing that I always tell parents, and this is a really hard thing for parents to accept, is that they have to do the time. And they have to put in the time because if they're not doing the time when the kids are little, they're going to do the time later. And time meaning even jail time for the kids, a serious time. And so the time spent from kindergarten behaviors all the way through elementary school, you have to do the time. You have to be on top of it. In middle school, the more that kids are going through changes, the more time you have to spend with your kids to make sure that you have that relationship and um, you have to be hard. It is hard work to be a parent. It is exhausting that you have to do the time. So many wrinkles as a result of parenting. You're a parent and you've also been in education for how many years? 37. So you've seen everything. And saw them go through lots of different things. That was one reason I left secondary education because I think cell phones and teenage brains are a dangerous combination. Social media, I really do think that there are a lot of problems associated with that exposure. Yeah. I worry for the kids today. I think parents really need to get a handle on supervising that. I think parents struggle with this feeling that they can't invade their privacy of their kids when they give them a phone. They're sort of like, that's theirs now. And it's like, how do we give parents some of that power back mm-hmm. to be like, you're still, you're still in charge of your kid. You better believe it. I, when I was teaching parenting classes regularly, I would always tell parents the most powerful word in your vocabulary is no. The power of no is you have every right to tell your child no. You don't have to explain. You are the parent. You are in charge. And it was, I was not easy as a mom. And I'll tell you, it was hard, but it was worth it. My girls have all turned out great. You know, they're successful women. We're all great friends now. They're in their 30s and 40s, but it wasn't easy. Sweat equity, right? Oh, sweat equity. I That's had a one, really, one dad say. really good term. Yeah. Yeah, I mean to tell you, but butt heads and that I never acquiesced 
I'd never, I was in charge and I was lucky because when I was going through my divorce and I wanted to move my girls out of state and away from a very toxic relationship and um, I had my girls in counseling because I also knew that was important and I went to the counselor and I said, oh, I don't know if I should do this. You know, is it going to be hard on the girls? And the counselor said to me, you're the adult. You are in charge. As long as you continue to act that way, the girls will have nothing to worry about. And it transformed my life when she gave me permission to be in charge as a parent. Mm -hmm. And from then on, I never looked back and I was in charge. And that changed how I parented my girls. How can parents be in charge, but not dominating? They're not sure how to walk that line of boundaries versus I'm in power and you will listen to me because you're, you're live under my roof. Right. It is hard, but I think that you have to be savvy. I know I hear it all the time. I'm always listening to how parents talk to their kids. And for example, when the questioning style of parenting, like, do you want to go to bed or are you ready to do this? I never did that with my kids. I was like, you're going to bed. It's bedtime or this is what we're gonna do now. I was very like, this is what we're doing. I never asked like, are you ready to go to bed? Are you ready to take a bath? Are you ready to brush your teeth? That didn't exist in my house. Mm. This is when we did things. This is how it was. It wasn't negotiable. There are things that are negotiable and things that aren't. So if I wanted to give them choices, I would give them two choices that I wanted the outcome to be either one. Mm -hmm. I didn't let them like have the choice. I would let them have a choice that I could live with either outcome. So that was how they got to choose. Ooh, that's nice. So you start with what you're comfortable with, mm -hmm. what feels safe in your house. Right. So they're still getting to make a choice in their mind. They're like, oh, I get to choose, but I can live with either one. What is the biggest mistake parents make when it comes to discipline? Not being consistent, not being consistent. That was a golden rule in my house. I was very sparing was promises because I just wanted my word to mean something. Thank you, Dr. Kratz. I also conducted a survey of parents of students that I've worked with for over the past 20 years about what was the worst thing their kid did and to what degree are their kids successful now. Parents candidly shared the following dumb things their kids did. Cutting class. Being drunk at school. Smoking or ingesting a lot of marijuana edibles before an SAT class. Lying about it. Vaping. Sneaking out. Staying out past curfew and not calling. Playing video games all through the night. Failing a class. Failing two classes. Hiding alcohol. Getting a DUI. Crushing the car. Bringing home friends that are generally offensive. Selling marijuana to classmates. Bullying. Losing someone's cat. Throwing a party. Meeting someone they met on the internet. Looking at graphic pornography. Bringing a weapon to school. Having sex in my house. Shaving what is supposed to be the shape of a rocket ship on their head, but actually resembles a penis. Having sex in your room. Taking your car without asking and driving their friends around. Bringing home a surprise rat pet, even though you hate rats. All of these examples are from teens and now adults I would consider successful. Kids who went to great colleges and who had successful careers, fulfilling relationships, and stable lives. So the good news is that teens who do really dumb, scary stuff are not bad kids forever. But they are inviting a serious discussion about boundaries, not punishment, boundaries. Punishment says, you are bad. Boundaries say, hey, this behavior does not serve you and it sure as hell doesn't work in our home. Have you ever been in trouble? 
Yeah. <laughs> How do your parents discipline you? I don't get like grounded or anything. I just get like yelled at, <laughs> lectured, like you shouldn't do things like this. Like, mm-hmm. and then like, it's more like connecting it back to like, think about like other people's feelings, how it's like not just you involved. Like you have to think about other people who are involved. Like then like I sit there and feel really bad. <laughs> Does it work? Yeah. <laughs> Because here's the thing. Studies show that punishment doesn't really work. It's old-school retribution, fear-based and power-oriented. Academy of American Pediatrics notes that punishing your kids won't stop them from doing the unwanted behavior. It will teach them to get better at avoiding punishment. And not that your kids are rats, but in one famous experiment, rats were given a bait-and-switch with their behavioral conditioning. While at first they were rewarded for touching a lever, then they were given an electric shock every time they press that lever. The rat then avoids the lever for a while, but eventually, when the lever's unhooked from any consequences, the rat starts pushing the lever again and again with increasing frequency. Just sit there and let that sink in for a minute. The conclusion, as it pertains to human behavior, is that punishment does not change behaviors. It just makes an individual avoid the source of punishment. For adolescents, gaining the ability to think and plan, Giving harsh punishments will actually just make them more dishonest, conniving, and sneaky. It will alienate them from you. Punishment shuts down kids' ability to think reflectively and respect themselves as emerging adults trying to navigate the big adult world. So why do we punish? Well, punishment feels like it works, even though it doesn't. It makes us adults feel like we are in control. Getting mad and yelling helps us discharge the tension we are feeling. We are scared and being scared makes us dysregulated. Our nervous system is stimulated. So that's the first thing that we have to deal with. Ground yourself, ye parent of a teen. Go for a walk. Take some deep breaths. Push up against the wall. Get yourself in control of yourself. Because anger and punishment produces politeness, but not morality. Boundaries, on the other hand, are about self-discipline. By setting boundaries for your teen, you're teaching them to be self-disciplined. But it's very important that when you set the boundaries, you're clear about your intentions. This is not about your own need for power and control. This is about teaching them how to control themselves. So how do you set boundaries when your teen messes up big time? Here's a couple of tips. Start with, tell me about, and then whatever the grievance is. Let them share their version, even if it's a highly edited one. Listen without interrupting. Reflect back what your kid is explaining to you. Sometimes when they hear it in your voice, they realize how ridiculous the excuse is. But maybe they didn't know there would be so many kids showing up at that party at your house. Maybe they cut class because they're scared of going to school and earning a bad grade. Or maybe they're having an issue with a peer. Be very clear and specific when setting boundaries. You are not your kid's friend. If you are slippery or afraid to draw a boundary because it's going to make your child mad at you, you need to think about the long term here. Do you want them living with you when they're 35? Boundaries are necessary to keep kids safe. You want your home to be the place of mutual respect and safety. They might not be happy with you in the moment, but setting firm boundaries now will help them set boundaries for themselves as they head into adulthood. Avoid being an authoritarian dictator. Don't say things like, as long as you're in my house, you will follow my rules. Frame your expectation in terms of helping them be safe and teaching self-discipline. Stand firm in areas that are non-negotiables, but be 
open to compromising too. Adolescents often have great suggestions about what are appropriate consequences for their behavior. Allow them to repair the damage that is done, whether it's apologizing to someone they lied to or paying for something that broke. Don't expect the moment to end with a big hug and a thank you for teaching me to be self-disciplined, you stellar parent. Let them stomp around a little bit, have their feelings, sulk in their room, slam the door, take a walk, or just freeze you out for a little bit. Take care of yourself. Conflict with the one you love hurts. It's hard. But do not make your teen responsible for your feelings. Go take care of yourself. Have a snack. And that's our episode for today. Thank you, Dr. Sheila Kratz. And to all my students and adult contributors, you downloading and sharing this podcast around makes this parenting community better. If you have questions, please email me or leave a voice recording at smellsliketeenparent at gmail.com. Join us for the next episode of Helping Your Teens and Yourself Manage Anxiety. May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you be free from suffering. And don't forget to wear sunscreen every day. Bye.